This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. You know, it's been said that success comes to those who wait. Belief started in the fourth grade. I believe that it's earned with the right attitude. And I had this nagging feeling. A great belief system. I was capable of so much more. An action every single day. In all the pursuits that we have in our lives, I think there's an element of suffering. When you mix that in with faith, courage, discipline, and most importantly, a vision. Never give up on yourself. That's when greatness happens. The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today we've got an author in the studio with us. Ajit, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Brad. Excited to be here. Good. It's great to have you, and uh, we look forward to, uh, to everything you've got to say. I know you've got a great message, and so we look forward to that. So uh, maybe for our listeners that don't know who uh, Ajit Nawalka is, why don't you uh, just give us a little lay of the land, what's made you the man you are today? Absolutely. So my name is Ajit Nawalkar, like you already mentioned, and I actually was born in India in a small town called Jaipur, and I lived for a good chunk of my life there. I shared a house with about 23 other people, uh, which were my extended family members, my cousins and my parents' cousins and my grandparents and my grandparents' cousins. And so we were a lot of people in a really small house, which kind of... uh, it, which was kind of the defining moment in, in many ways in my life, defining years of, uh, of me in many ways in my life, because that taught me early that I really wanted to create something that was designed to, to abundance and freedom and space and, and choice. Uh, and that got me started into the world of uh, early education towards really wanting to be brave and wanting to be really open to the ideas that the world has to offer because I didn't, feel like I had that opportunity in my house at that time. Um, and so I, I very early on, like any Indian family person is, uh, wanted to be an engineer. And that's really what my track was going to be until I realized that either if I became an engineer, if I actually did pass the exams, I would be a really bad one because I didn't <laughs> enjoy it. I didn't have any fun doing it. And uh, so I would, I would make an unhappy, terrible engineer. And so I was like, all right, that's not going to really work out, uh, not for anyone that is in my life, and definitely is not going to get me abundance, or even if, it would, if, even if it would, it would just make me really unhappy. And so that early bravery, you can say in a way, or that early switch of saying, hey, got to do something different, because this is not going to be a place of joy and, and happiness that I would like to be in all my life got me to, to take some decisions. And I'm so grateful that my family was very supportive of that. And they allowed me to be able to really move on and say, okay, let's see what would you like to do. Uh, and got me experimenting really early. Like I said, I come from a small town called Jaipur in India. And uh, there was not a lot of opportunity to even learn from the outside world. But because my family at that point supported me in actually going out, figuring things out, I ended up in a student organization that works with internationals that would come to our our city and work for different NGOs and companies and would allow people like me to go out in the world and actually experience the world in a very different light. And that got me started to become an international person, person who really understood different perspectives and wanted to explore the world more than just sit in his little town becoming an engineer or something like that and living the life that normally we end up doing. Uh, that exposure led me to further find different businesses, uh, different ideas, different companies that I would work with 
And that's at the same point also continually, continuously rediscover myself and find what is the greatest, grandest opportunity that seems to be on the horizon. That happened to be internet in 2005 for me. That was the first time when I had started up a company I got it funded from my previous employer and I asked them if I could, I could lead that venture and I did. And the, and the venture didn't really work out because it was a social network in the time of Facebook and Facebook just crushed us. Uh, and so, so that, that network never really took off. But what I deeply got interested in was, was, social, was social media and more so internet the world of the internet. And I was like, all right, this is going to be the future. And I really like this place. So what can we do about that? That would get me to then apply for an internship in a small little company at that time called Mind Valley. I don't know if your audience is familiar with that company, but you could say it's one of the most prominent brands when it comes to personal development and personal excellence. And, uh, and at that point, it was a small little company with like 10 employees working out of a small bungalow. Uh, and that's when I started to work with the company. Now, about a decade later, we, we have built that company to, to be across. We, we employ people from 40 different countries, over 250, 300 employees. Uh, we are known as the prominent brand in the industry of personal excellence. And then, of course, as I was doing all of that, I had to continuously look for areas of, of growing myself and growing my vision of myself and that allowed me to be able to start many other companies as as, as in that process and today I'm I've co-founded four companies at, at at this point and I'm really having a great time with, with life as well along while building these companies and, and creating a positive impact in the world. That's awesome. Well thank you for sharing that story. And what I mean I'm assuming this is what ultimately brought you then to America because I know now you're in uh, Los Angeles. So what uh, what brought you uh, here to America? Actually, my wife. <laughs> so, oh, okay. so I was I was living globally, and uh, I was living in Malaysia at that time. And I had just recently decided that I just want to travel around the world. As I was traveling around the world, as my wife was traveling around the world at that time, uh, we were not married then. She was traveling herself, and I was traveling myself. And we bumped into each other in in Malaysia as she was traveling through Malaysia, and she had attended one of our events. So we got connected through that. And, uh, and yeah, no, and that's how we kind of connected. And we, we just decided we wanted to spend our life together. And, and that meant that it would eventually bring me here uh, is because we wanted to build a family together. And so we decided that it will be Los Angeles. That's awesome. Well, you, you just shows you how small the world really is, right? When you guys just <laughs> randomly connect and uh, now here you are. So uh, mm-hmm. let's talk about the, uh, you said personal excellence, and, and that's really a lot about what the circuit of success, as you probably know, is about. And uh, when you think about that, you know, you work with lots of entrepreneurs and very successful business people. What comes to your mind when you think of the habits and rituals that these, you know, what I call the top one or two percent of the people in the world, what are they, what are they doing? What habits and rituals are they keeping every single day? So what I've found is firstly, each one of those one or two percent people are vastly different. They are similar, but not the same. Their habits also vary very, very stockingly. It's, it's often thought that all high performers are early risers. It's not true. All high performers are not late sleepers as well. There is no all catch all, in my opinion, and based on what I, what I know and my research says, it's like everybody has their own ritual. But what is true for all of them is they're highly self-aware. They know what's their strength. They know what's their weakness. They know how much they want to work on their weaknesses and how much they want to focus on their strength. And they're very protective of their own energies. Now, I'm using a word which might sound a little bit more out there and woo-woo, 
But the point really is that we, we all as human beings are constantly imparted by the dialogues that are happening in the outside world. Usually, people who are high performers or would be considered highly successful are individuals who are very protective of their energies. They have very clear boundaries, if I may use that word. They know exactly what they would want in their world and what they don't want in their world. And they are aware enough to be able to say, I don't want this and I want this to end and how can I go about doing it? They also tend to be extremely resilient people. So they are extremely people who, who treat life as more like a dance. Let's just say that's a good analogy, and I, I'm borrowing this from Alan Watts here, uh, a, a phenomenal philosopher, uh, and he talks about life not being a journey but more like music or dance, which is basically, uh, in summary, it really means that you want to enjoy your life as is because it's a dance. You don't want the dance to end. You want the dance to keep going. You don't want your music to end. You want the music to keep playing. You will have the high notes and the low notes, but you enjoy them all. So the resilience element of uh, high performance is one of the key elements that defines uh, more successful people from the ones that, that seem to kind of fall behind. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I call it the bounce back theory. And it's, you know, the, the most successful people I know and, and either from clients or just people you hang out with or interview, the ones that bounce back the quickest are the ones that are most successful, right? Because you can go and and sit in the fetal position in the corner of your office, but, you know, those people aren't going to be successful. Don't you agree? Yeah, no, absolutely. That is that is an absolute trend and absolute habit. You can say You can say it as a habit or you can just say it as an attitude that they have is that they look at the challenge that they're facing. They look at the concern that they might have. And like they, they, are, uh, they are looking at it and looking at it and going, hey, okay, fine, it's a challenge, so what can I do about that? Right? They might go into the fetal position for a couple of minutes, but they bounce back really, really quickly. Like you said, they have that bounce back factor to them because they know it's just a phase and everything is just a phase. And they are, they are really looking at life to live it fully. So do you have any what I would call exercises or maybe some uh, life hacks, if you will, of focus? You know, in today's world with all the chimes of from your computer, or your phone, right, social media, emails, you name it, uh, it's there. So how do we really buckle down and focus uh, on our work? So there are, there are many different researches that would give a whole, whole box of things that I could offer right here. Uh, but what I would want to offer is is an integration of three different principles that seem to be very exciting for people, and they definitely can use it. Now, you will use a variation of what I'm going to say from here on because everybody's different and has a different practice and a different way of approaching things. But the philosophy is applicable to pretty much anyone, right? It might seem a little bit harder if you're a professional to execute it, but it's possible, and it's been tested enough times between me and my teams and the people that I work with to be able to know that it works, okay? So here is the theory. So I'm gonna give you the theories and researches first, and then I'm gonna give you the, the strategy. So that way you know that you can customize it, right? The first principle that you wanna look at is called the Pareto's principle. It's the 80-20 that the world talks about. You might have heard of it in oh, yeah. business context, life context, the 20% creates the 80% of the results. But what I've found is that it's even the 20% off the 20%, that really is the key to success which is basically you do the 80-20 of the work that you do, and then you do the 80-20 of the 20 that you get. Usually you would get one or two activities in your business that would be prominent, that would be driving 60 to 70% of the results of the business. That's the activity that you want to dial down on. You want to double down on that activity, and that's the first principle to consider. 
is what if you did the 80-20 off the 80-20, which will give you one, maybe two activities that your business really thrives on, right? So that's the first principle that you want to think about. The second principle is called Parkinson's Law. Parkinson's Law states that the work will always fill the time that you assign to it. That simply means that if you give an hour to a task, it'll take an hour. If you give a day to that task, it'll take the day, right? So which means that if you if you give, if you assign a lesser amount of time to a particular task, your brain tends to find a way to do that task faster, right? And you want to remember this principle because I'm going to bring it into the, the final strategy that we're going to talk about. The third principle I want you to consider is something that is deep, uh, that, that is discussed deeply in the book by Carl Newport called Deep Work. Now, I'm going to not use exactly his deep work philosophy, but a version of it. The version of it that I like is that if you dedicate your time to something at an extended period of time, and the extended period of time doesn't mean one or two days, just a couple of hours dedicatedly, you tend to create a greater quality of work in that short period of time versus being distracted with many other activities while trying to execute on that task. And if you use that principle, that simply means that if, let's say, you were to write some uh, proposals, if you dedicate two hours to write the proposal and not be distracted by something else, you will likely create a greater outcome of that proposal versus you trying to write that proposal over a four-hour period while trying to do other activities or responding to other people. Right Now, we know these three principles. The principle number one was Pareto, second one was Parkinson's uh, law, and the third one is called uh, deep work mode. Right Now, let's take these three principles and put it into a strategy. So here is what seems to work for most entrepreneurs and a lot of professionals as well. Now, I call it 4x4 four four because I follow the 4x4 four four myself. You can make it whatever version of that you want to make. By 4x4, four four, I simply mean you need to work four hours a day, for four hours a day for four days a week. That's all you really need to execute most important tasks of your company. As an entrepreneur, especially if you lead the organization, if you're a high-performing professional, you still usually are responsible for very high-value tasks. And so you can have a variation of four-by-four also executed in your life. Now, how does it work? That means 16 hours of work, work, uh, that happens in life every week. And, and how that's, uh, sorry to interrupt. So that's on the most important topic. So whatever that is, is that, that drives business for that man or woman listening right now. They need to spend that four hours a day for four days per week on that topic. On that topic. And mostly like if you bounce and not do anything else after that, it should still work. So it's 16 hours of high quality work. And the rest, usually you shouldn't have anything else left on your plate. And that's really the idea of creating high-quality results. Because here is one thing that we often ignore as high-performing professionals. Think about the best idea you've ever had, Brett. Most of the time, that best idea never came when you were actually doing the work. It came in your off time or downtime, or when you were in a shower or when you were meditating or whatever are the principles that you follow, right, for your personal care. Best ideas usually come at that time. And the reason for that is because our brain needs time to process the ideas that we have accumulated subconsciously as we are living our lives, as we are going around in the world and living our lives. So as you accumulate all these ideas and go into your subconscious until you give your subconscious, your unconscious a break, which is, let's say, a a state of meditation, or you're just not doing anything, watching TV, watching a movie, taking a good shower or a bath. That's when the ideas actually, the, all the subconscious thoughts get collected together and a unique ideas form. 
So some of our best ideas are actually in our boring time, as I call it. Times where you're not doing anything. You're coloring a color book or something, like a kid. That's where your best ideas come from. And so, yes, the 16 hours of highly dedicated time, but the rest of the time, I'm not saying, all right, 16 hours of dedicated time and then 20 hours of work after that. No, I'm saying after that, it's your choice. You can choose to do things that if you want to do, but if you choose to not do them and just create boring time, I would invite you to do that because you will see the power of boring time when you actually go ahead and not do things and you'll be like, holy cow, the ideas that I'm coming up with or strategies that I'm coming up with or if you write the writing that you're coming up with, it's not marginally better. It's significantly better. Well, thanks for sharing that. And to our listeners, uh, stay with us as we go to a quick message. We're going to come back and listen to more from Ajit Nawaka. And we'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland. And again, we've got in the studio with us Ajit Nawaka. Ajit, you're giving us some great stuff here. We just talked about the Pareto Principle, the Parkinson's Law, deep work mode. Absolutely love those three things, along with your four by four, working four hours per day for four days a week on your most important topic. Absolutely love that. Uh, right now, I want to turn into time management. You know, with so many leaders and entrepreneurs, business leaders, professional athletes, whatever it may be, time is the most precious thing we've got. And so let's talk about that. And how do we manage our time? Because actually, I don't even like that because I think we only manage ourselves. So how do we manage ourselves to be more efficient with our time? So leading off of what we were already talking about in a way. So if you look at your time, and, and like you said, very rightly, Brett here, that we are mostly managing ourselves, not really our time, right? Uh, the idea really is that to how do we effectively create a schedule for ourselves that, that allows us to be able to be most productive and highly output-oriented as we create uh, whatever we need to create in our lives, right? So like I was talking about the four-by-four, four. now people can create their own version of that. You could have five-by-three, you could have six-by-four, however you think is, is the most critical for you. Because what you can do is as you find the key one or two or three elements that you really need to focus and dial down on, you can then assign times in your calendar because we all respond really well to calendar items, right? We all respond really well to saying, oh, this is my schedule. I got to be here at this time, right? What if we actually managed ourselves through that? How? What if we actually had scheduled creative time? How, what if we actually had scheduled uh, response time, re- scheduled content writing time, or whatever is the work that you do, depending on that, you have a scheduled time. But we don't do that often. We just go become reactive to the world, right? We, we wake up in the morning, start responding to emails, right? That's reactive time. That's not your creative time. You're not yeah. creating anything when you're responding to emails. You're basically responding to other people's needs, right? But if you want to manage your time more effectively or manage yourself more effectively, you got to look inwards. You got to look inwards and say, hey, where is it that my genius lies? Where is it that I am the most effective and create the highest quality of work for myself or my company and be able to get the maximum impact in the least amount of time? And if you can schedule that into your calendar, you know that you'll be effective every single day. You wake up to be effective every single day. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. I I talk about got to slow down to speed up all the time. And I think... Mm -hmm. I call it STT, strategic think time. And it's scheduled. It's on the calendar, you know, hour and a half a week, uh, minimally, where it's just you and my journal um, and, you know, no technology interrupting nothing. And I find, to your point earlier, is that's where some of my best stuff 
comes from. Whether that's in the morning or in the afternoon, whatever it may be, that's where my best thoughts come from. So assuming you agree with the strategic think time. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I call it boring time, but strategic think time <laughs> sounds so much better. So exactly, let's stick right? with that. STT. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So when do you find yourself and other you know, highly successful business people, when, when do you do that personally? For me, it's the mornings. I personally love the mornings. I used to be somebody who loved the nights, uh, but I also realized that's something that I think I was more more of a more of kind of resisting the idea of waking up early in the morning because as kids you usually don't want to. Uh, but as I as I start to really create more businesses, I find the morning creative time seems to be invaluable to me. I think it has a little bit to do with my meditation practice as well. Uh, because I like to wake up in the morning and like really meditate and really get down to some of my creative stuff and some of my gratitude and so forth. So I think waking up really early in the morning or as early as I possibly can uh, and then just giving myself the first two, three hours of the day, just dedicated to myself and my creativity and my visions and my, I mean, and I, and I say that not only in context of work, I mean, in context of life, I love having the morning to myself to create how I want my life to be and to yeah. be creative about my entire life, work being a part of it, but being everything. So what's that look like? So you get up, do you have like a home office you go to? Do you go like on a you know a porch? Do you go to the office? I mean, what's that look like? So, so I, I, I prefer not to have a home office. I don't want to I, – I know a lot of people, there's a lot of conversation around saying, hey, there is no balanced life, and, and, I, and I understand that from – the perspective of the people that are saying it. But I do believe that there needs to be some kind of a balance in the way you live. It can't be that your life is dedicated only to your work. Your purpose is not just your work. It is also the way you live, your family, your friends, and so forth. At least that's, that is in my opinion. So I don't have a home office. I don't go to the home office because I don't have one. Uh, I, I mostly wake up. My first few, first 20, 30 minutes are dedicated to my meditations. Uh, then I have my wonderful wife and we like to spend a lot of time together. So I spend some time with her. Uh, it would, it could be anywhere between 20 to 30 minutes as well. It's not a, it's not so scheduled. It's, it's something that we like to play with and like to have fun around that. Uh, and we do do that. And that's after that is when comes all the other stuff. So I might have my, my, my trainer coming in. So we'll go work out. Uh, I might, that day might not be my trainer day. So I would do some creative stuff and that would involve sometimes journaling. Sometimes it will be ideas that I might wake up with and I will write that down. Uh, and they might be more than journaling because it might be a script idea that may come up for a video that I want to shoot or some kind of product idea that I just got and I want to write that down and like really note it out. Because also the meditations in the morning, sometimes I'm full of these really juicy ideas. And sometimes it's about life. It's like, oh, I really want to organize this trip with my friends and so i'll send out notes for that or i'll make a note and we go i need to send it to my assistant to really figure out how to really schedule this trip and so forth so it depends on how the day unfolds but my morning two hours are pretty fluid the only things that i really do is meditate for sure spend some time with my wife and then go for workout on the days that i have my trainer come in i like it so how do you define success in your world today ajit uh, success for me has become about choice. I think uh, I used to I used to think success was the cars and the houses, the the beautiful whatever X Y Z, you know, like the whole bling bling type of thing. And and I had it. I got it really early in life. Uh, I still have it. All of that stuff. But but I realized 
as I got that early in life, I realized that that gives me temporary happiness. And, and, I, and I loved going to the clubs and getting the bottle service and nice cars and everything. But then eventually I realized, hey, this is all good stuff. But what I really enjoy is being able to decide what I want to do every day and not having somebody tell me what I should be doing, but me telling me what I want to be doing. If I want to spend two hours in the morning just hanging out, I should be able to do that. And that's really what success has become for me. Success is about choice. It's about my ability and my structure around me to be able to let me do what I want to do, the way I want to do it, for how long I want to do it. So that's really what success is for me at this point. I like that. And I think that's true, too. So many people define it, I think, especially when you're younger, define that financially. But uh, at the end of the day, that stuff, you know, it's great and all, but it's not going to create long-lived uh, of happiness, right? Um, so let's talk about your, you know, your passions now. I mean, what, cause you talked about the, the work life balance and, uh, I, I do kind of subscribe to the theory of it. It's there. I mean, we got to create it. So when I go home, I'm done until the kids go to bed. I don't do any work. I don't work on weekends. I mean, I, I, I agree with all that balance stuff, but at the same time, it is hard to focus on that stuff. Um, when, when things, life is crazy, right? And so how do we stay focused in that area? I know we talked about focus earlier, but how do we stay focused earlier to also then turn it off and enjoy the journey that we're on? So, so my argument to that most of the time is, is it really that our life is that crazy? A lot of times it is the mental construct of what we think our life is versus what life really is. For example, Neither you, I, I, I don't know, but you're not a firefighter, right, Brett? I'm not. You're not a medical professional. You, you don't work in the emergency room in any way. I do not. So none of the stuff that you do really is life-threatening, really. Hmm. Right? right? We are not. Life we are not in that profession. We are not in that profession. We are entrepreneurs, which means we have our businesses. And this is true for most of us. Like, if you are in the emergency room, I totally get it that it's very hard for you to organize your time or feel concerned about that if you miss something, you'll miss something. But anything else is immediate only in the moment. It is not really immediate if you draw it out in the context of a lifetime or context of next year sometimes or 10 years from that. You see, anxiety is created because of expectations. We have anxiety around different areas or we feel like we need to respond to this particular thing because we have an expectation to that thing. If we can let go of the expectation, we would realize that that A, the expectation is completely a mental construct. We made that expectation. The world doesn't have that expectation of us. We said we want to have this expectation of ourselves, which means the entire gamut of things that we are anxious and concerned about is our own figment of imagination in a way, right? We just said, oh, this is, this is important. This is why it became important. But is it really? Most of the things are not as important as we make them to be. And if we draw out our visions for instead of the next year, we draw it out to five years, 10 years, that anxiety immediately goes. And honestly, it actually creates the reality much, much, much faster and so much more easier. Here's an example. If I could invite the listeners to, to instead of write down a yearly goal, write a five or a 10-year goal this time. Don't write a yearly goal. Don't worry about what you'll get, get, get to at the end of the, this year or end of next year or whatever that is, right? Wherever you are making your goals. Make a five-year goal. Make a 10-year goal. And let's check back in in two or five years from now, depending on how long you drew out your goal, and see how far you got. Most likely, your five-year goal will get accomplished in like three years. But if you put a year-long goal, most likely you'll not achieve it. 
And the reason for that is because a year goal is such a short period of time that it creates anxiety in us. It creates almost like a, like a place of lack. It feels like we're not enough. Instead, if you put a five-year goal because it's so much time to get there, either our goal changes because we have the time and space to really imagine what we really want versus what the world is expecting of us. Or secondly, it is so easy because it is five years from now. You get, create better products. You work on yourself. You actually take care of yourself because you're like, oh, I have five years to achieve this, right? So there's, there's that change in dialogue that happens just by shifting your expectation. Most of the times that the goals that we set as well are not really our goals. I mean, really, when we really sit down and say, hey, what do we want in life? A lot of times it's what the world wants us to have in our life. It's not us actually wanting that in our life. We kind of like play by what the world tells us we should have, but we don't really want it as much. And which is why often you would see a lot of us reach our goals and then we hate that goal. We don't like it. We enjoy it for five minutes and then we're like, eh. I don't know. Maybe I need something else. And then we chase something else. But that ch- something else, to the time it's not aligned to you, what you really want, what only ends up having is you constantly live in this place of anxiety and, and fear and not enoughness, which is not healthy for just the quality of life that we live. Forget about if you, if you, uh, if, if you know, like if you'll find the balance or not. It's just the quality of life is not there. And in today's time, we all deserve to have a great quality of life. You're so resourceful. And so how do you, uh, when you think about that, how important is coaching then? Because I've, I've worked with a business coach off and on, but probably for about 10 years. And, uh, you know, it's been very helpful for me. And I know you do a lot of coaching. So how important is having a coach? It is very important. It's like working on yourself. You are the centerpiece of your life. Think about it. If you, if you fail in context of how you show up or, or in context of how you think about the world, if you are listening to this podcast right now, you care about who you are. You care about how you want to show up in your life. And that's the most important thing is like you you are the centerpiece of your world, of your business, of your life, of just you. Like if you haven't figured yourself out, nothing else is figured out. So my invitation would be the question of coaching or the question of learning or training with anyone is paramount. Because if you haven't figured yourself, if you haven't worked on yourself on a consistent basis, how will we make anything else around this work? You are your universe. You are the defining factor. If today you change your goals from a year goal to five-year goal, well, that will change your paradigm. That will change your life. So you must, if you can, you must get a coach. If you can, you must invest in yourself as much as possible. And that's how you grow. So how do you find a good coach? I mean, I think in the back, uh, in the past, I've been asked that a lot. Is well, how did you find your coach? How do you find one? What, what's what's your advice on that? It, firstly, you need to know where you want to go, and that's the first part of finding a coach. First, you need to know somewhat. It doesn't have to be precise. It doesn't have to be exact. But you want to know, hey, this is kind of the direction I want to lead into. This is kind of what I really want for my life. And then you look around. Usually, you would find good coaches around. Uh, life training events or business training events, and usually coaches are available there. It's really no one platform where you can just go and Google search it. Uh, that's just not available as of now, and that might not even be the most effective way of finding a coach because coaching and coaches are not only about their intellect, it's about resonance of you to them and your life and the value alignment to you and your life because all human beings are different, all coaches are different. So my invitation to you would be 
go ahead, first of all, define what you want to do in your life or what is the area that you want to focus on and then start with relevant events. And as you will go to relevant events, usually you will find people who also are coaches in that area. But don't just pick the first person that you meet. Talk, speak, see if they can provide value. See if there is value alignment and strategic alignment and they have the understanding of who you are as a person or interest in understanding of who you are as a person. And then do a little bit of coaching with them and you will see if they are the right coach for you. So again, we're here on the uh, Circuit of Success. I am your host, Brett Gilliland, and we've got Ajit Nowalka in the studio with us. And uh, Ajit, I know a big, big day for you is December 11th. You've got your mm-hmm. book, Live Big, coming out. So that's got to be exciting. Tell us about that. So it was through my journey, one of the times where I got abundantly successful financially because that was my story for, for a long time that I really wanted abundance. But at the same point of time, I, I realized that I had paid for that abundance through my life. And I got really sick. I, my relationship was in shambles and I didn't really have a relationship with my parents at that time and or with my friends. And I was just really self-obsessed with just the money part of the whole game. Only to realize that as much as you can, I could have got the money. I could have also had a full life. And it became a challenge for me because I was like, I, yes, I want to be abundant. But at the same point in time, I don't want to not have a life, right? And that invited me or I, I kind of said, okay, I, I need to find a way to be able to live a full life, to live big, not really to settle because somehow it seemed like at that time, that the only way to get really wealthy and successful was to be able to just sacrifice all of your time dedicated to the business. And so I went on this quest and this journey to be able to really find myself again, to research how people tend to live and what are the different perspectives and insights that allow people to be able to have a complete life, not just a life of money, but no relationships, but life, relationship, uh, money, Um, health, everything that you want, basically a life of choice, which is also where I define that's what success for me looks like or felt like. And and that sent me on this quest of 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 really figuring out how somebody could live big. And I and I figured twenty five different insights and perspective shifts that I think are important, especially for entrepreneurs, but for all professionals as well, to really be able to look at their lives from a broader perspective and, and move further along in that journey. And so Live Big is about that. Live Big is about perspective. It is about insights. It's about a way of looking things from a different paradigm than we may be accustomed to live and look at things. So so that's really what Live Big is all about. Live Big is that decide book that you would like to refer to, somewhat of a coach in a way, which would allow you to be able to look at different perspectives and go, oh, interesting, I could look at that this way too. And that might hopefully allow you to create a life of your own choice. Well, it's a big day, I'm sure. December 11th is exciting for you. I'm assuming we can find the book, say, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, stuff like that, or where do we find the book? Yeah, it's available everywhere. You can just Google the book and you should be able to find it or just go to livebigthebook.com, livebigthebook.com. And on that domain, you will be able to find different ways of ordering the book and getting your copy. Awesome. When we come back on the Circuit of Success, we're going to talk with Ajit about uh, really kind of just some things, just personally, some things that he's got going on, maybe uh, some goals and dreams and aspirations. Because in my opinion, uh, one of the things we want to give you every single week on this show is about experiences and then what most would call a bucket list. So we'll talk about that. We're going to ask him the uh, the $10 million question that we like to phrase uh, when we come back after these messages. Thanks for listening to the Circuit of Success.
Welcome back to the Circuit of Success. Again, I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and we've got Ajit Nawalka in the studio with us today. And uh, Ajit, we've, uh, we've talked about your book. We've talked about a lot about the habits and the rituals of people that are successful. Uh, question for you. I like to ask this just to kind of get a frame of mind where everybody's at right now. But if I were to write you a check today for $10 bucks, and you can't pay off any debts if there are any, you can't just invest it normally like in you know stock market or whatever it may be, and, and you can't give it to a, a charity. So a lot of rules mm-hmm. with this. What's the, what are you going to do? With ten, what are you going to do with this ten million bucks? Um, I I would probably continue to do the business that I'm doing, and I would continue to hopefully impact lives in a positive way. I I, I hope that answers the question in a way, but but that really would be my investment. It would be investment into the company that we have built and we are continuing to build, and and of course some of that will go to my own personal growth as well because I would. I, w- I constantly love to learn and grow and so forth. Uh, I think purpose-wise, I am very much aligned to saying, how can I create a positive impact in the world and move the needle and move the line a little bit towards a positive, fulfilled society. And I think we, what we're trying to do at our companies aligns with that, and I would like to continue to contribute to that. I love the fact that you're going to keep doing what you're doing. You're just going to double down and uh, make an even bigger impact. So if I uh, if I took your phone from you today and and I was going to delete an app besides email, what is what's that one app that you would just be absolutely? It would be painful if I deleted this app on your phone. Oh wow, probably Evernote. Okay, so talk to me. Yeah. I have Evernote, so talk to me about that. What do you uh, What do you use that for? Well, Evernote is my is my catch all in context of all my notes and my documents and screenshots and everything. So it's my easy refer guide. It's the one where I jot down all my ideas and so forth. So I think that would be one of the apps that would be painful if they were not yeah. handy and available to me. Um, that's probably the only reason why that would be very painful. And is that uh, you do that on the phone, or is that more iPad, or even your computer, or just everywhere, wherever? Oh. You're at it? Yeah. Both wherever I am, wherever I am, it depends. If I'm on my, if I'm not in front of my computer, it's on my phone. Otherwise, it's on the computer as well. I mean, I, I use it everywhere. So yeah. Good. And what's your? Uh, tell us about your fitness. I mean, what have you done to keep? Or maybe I'm assuming you do, you're uh, involved and engaged in your fitness. So what have you done there to keep yeah. that a, as a good habit? So I've experimented a lot, especially in the past two and a half, three years at this point, and. I think there are some things that I, I swear by kind of in a way at this point, and uh, some of these might be familiar to you guys. Some of these might be new. Might be new. But firstly, I think uh, intermittent fasting has definitely been a game changer for me. Uh, for the ones who don't know what intermittent fasting is, is basically you, you eat in a window of about eight hours, eight to ten hours, and the rest of the time you don't eat anything. Uh, and that basically allows your body to be in ketosis, uh, which is a good fat-burning thing to be in, you you find yourself more energetic, more present, less foggy, uh, and so forth. So it, it's tremendously good if you have a weight challenge, it's amazing. If you have a challenge of energy levels, it's amazing. The first few days are pain in the ass, but otherwise it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> uh, so I would, I would invite you to try that. Again, it doesn't work for everyone, especially for females. It is something that you want to check in on and see if it works for you or not. But I did some aggressive testing on that. It seems like most for most people, it's a pretty good thing. So, so that would be one thing that I definitely practice pretty much every day. Uh, secondly, I would invite you to try Bulletproof Coffee. Uh, it's by a gentleman called Dave Asprey, a phenomenal guy, yep. very good practice, basically coffee with butter uh, and MCT oil. 
you can look it up. I mean, they, they'll provide the recipe for free. If you're in LA, they have a bulletproof cafe. You can totally go check it out there. Uh, so that's really, really cool. Uh, definitely high energy levels. I do intermittent fasting, and in the morning, I just have one bulletproof, and that's been really good to me. Um, so that's the second hack I would I would invite, especially when it comes to uh, just easy hacks that will give you energy immediately. If you can go vegan, it's really good. But again, different parts of the world are different. Uh, like Europe is great with the milk, so it's fine to not be vegan there, in my opinion. Again, I'm no health professional, but that seems to be what's working for me. Um, but if you can be vegan, awesome, uh, with an occasional uh, protein fix through meat, uh, I would think, uh, or chicken. I'm a vegetarian, so vegetarian, vegan, so I, I don't really eat any of that stuff, but but you can. I think it's still helpful if you can get the organic versions of that. Uh, again, something that's a little bit hard to find, but possible to do. Um, other than that, of course, I have I have a trainer. Uh, there are many regimens that are really good in terms of workouts, but I actually like to move my body, which is why I have a trainer and we work out like 40 minutes twice a week. Uh, but that's that's what it's more for movement. There are more effective ways of doing it. Like there is something called the super slow method, which would allow you to do this much more effectively. Our company has a program called 10X that allows you to do this very effectively. Uh, so there are, there are many programs that are more effective, but I like to move. I like to burn that and sweat it out. So I prefer doing the regular exercises with just a trainer, uh, but there are effective ways of doing that than that. Um, and then uh, if you are in Los Angeles area, there is a wonderful organization called Human Garage, uh, who basically help you realign your body, like your bones and your structure and sometimes things that you might not know. Uh, amazing organization, hmm. really, really good work. Um, it, expensive as hell, but at the same <laughs> time, really but useful. Um, they're in Los Angeles. They, I don't think they have a chain anywhere, so it's very much in L.A. at Venice Beach is where you go there to get it done. It's really hard to get an appointment, but it's definitely if you can get one. And if you definitely, if you have a challenge uh, in context of your alignment or you have body issues, back issues and so forth, uh, they are worth going checking out. A lot of athletes visit them. Well, that means uh, if it's the human garage, it's there now. That means in about five years, we'll have it here in St. Louis probably. <laughs> Very possible. It takes a little bit to get in inside the uh, the United States a little bit more. So, uh, well, that's awesome. Well, uh, you know, last question for you when you when you think about your success and all the things that you've done, what what's that thing you wish you could go back and maybe tell the twenty five year old or the thirty year old guy? What do you, what do you want to tell him? Um, I I would tell myself, especially in context of work, is care for people a lot more. Don't think about your team members as just team members. Don't think about it as people that just come and go. Uh, I think that was a big mistake I used to make when I was my younger self, uh, maybe even later than 25, more like 28, 29. I would think, oh, I hire people for skills and, 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 and attitude, but if they go, they go, you know. Um, I think people are there to be with you for a lifetime if you want them to be there for a lifetime. Uh, I start. I have started to envision my business not in the next three month scale, but in the next thirty year scale. That changes my attitude towards people. That changes the attitude of people that work for me towards me and the business because they are in for the long haul. They are in for a longer vision of their lives, and that allows me to be more value aligned, vision aligned with them. And I think it adds more value to their life, and it adds more value to my life. So. That is one thing that if I could tell my 25-year-old self, I would just say, hey, people matter. Don't treat them like numbers. Don't treat them like a bunch of skill sets. 
they're more than that. And if you'll give them that respect, they will not only have a greater life, you will have a greater life. So do it for you and do it for them. I love it. Well, uh, Jeet, uh, really enjoyed having you in the studio with us uh, today via conference call out in Los Angeles via St. Louis here. Uh, but it's been great having you and nothing but the best and great. Uh, good luck on your uh, Live Big book coming out on December 11th. Thank you, Brad. It was great speaking with you. Thanks for listening to The Circuit of Success. I am your host, Brett Gilliland, and each and every single week, we're going to bring you a great guest, whether that's a, a business leader, a professional sports star, an author, whatever it is, we're going to bring you as much as we possibly can to help you live your best life. We get to dive into the roads that these people travel, the, uh, the successes, the struggles, the fears that they put in their own minds, and do what they've done to become successful. And so we look forward to bringing that to you every single week. If you want more on our firm, Visionary Wealth Advisors, check us out online at visionarywealthadvisors.com. You can also find the show's website at circuitofsuccess.com. We'll be back next week with another great guest on the Circuit of Success. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm. 